Excuse me, sir! Does this podcast contain spoilers for the movie Stephen King's It? It does? Well, you better let him out! Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh! gonna say hello? This is Diabolical, the comedy podcast where four long-suffering friends dissect films' most bastardly schemes, then try to improve them. I'm your host, Gaz, and this week's movie is 1990s television two-parter Stephen King's It. So, Peril Pals. Put on your bright yellow cagoule, ride your favourite bike down a very steep hill, and pour in attendance, and the billions listening at home. <laughs> Let's get diabolical! <laughs> Is that a reasonable decibel for once? <laughs> I've got a volume control on the side of my uh, headset, so I just turn it down a little bit. A volumizer or a volumator? Uh, a volumetronic, I call it. I just tilt my head and the wax kind of just moves, <laughs> sloshes around. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the benefits of not having him syringed. Hello and welcome to this week's pod, on which I am joined by the panel of peril, who will compete at the show's close to see who can improve the villainous plan of the week the best to win points for our season three leaderboard in the show's competitive round. There's sure to be some ups, as well as some downs. But for now, if you would introduce yourselves and tell us who or what is your favourite childhood entertainer. This is going to be a good one. I can feel it in in my waters. Hello, I'm Ben, and my favourite children's entertainer are the Chuckle Brothers. Mm, yes, quite. To me, quite. to you. Yeah, we saw them live, didn't we? Yeah, we did. We did. And no slacking. <laughs> did you ever see the Shocker Brothers got uh, hired by PlayStation or whatever company makes Hitman on the PlayStation? Mm. Yes. Yeah. They, got, <laughs> they got the Shocker Brothers to play Hitman. Yeah. Grime. Yeah, Grime. Really him. <laughs> Inspired. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and Adam. Hello. Hello there. This is uh, your friend, Adam, and uh, my favourite 80s entertainer. Well, they're entertainers because, again, it's people you can't really separate. From the television programme Rainbow, it's Rod, Jane and Freddy, Ah. who had their own spin-off series as well. What was their spin-off series? Uh, Rod, Jane and Freddy, I think. (laughs) (laughs) I've never heard of it, so there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Countertacular here. I took entertainer to mean somebody who hosted something that wasn't a scripted show, per se. So just based on that, I went uh, with the person whose non-comedy, non-drama show I had the most VHS tapes of, which would have been Johnny Ball. Zoe Ball's dad used to tape his show religiously. Why? I just really liked it. Uh, don't tell you. Johnny Ball reveals all. Did you get a lot of rewatches in on them once you taped it? 
No. Did you make sweet labels for them? I used to. I used to take that. I used to take Woof, where the kid turned into a dog after he got naked. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember that. That's a good show. It's like Team Wolf, but for kids. Yeah. <laughs> but if I if I was thinking of people from scripted stuff, I probably would have picked Ace from Doctor Who. Oh, that's an app. <laughs> <laughs> Barry Chuck will be turning in his grave that he didn't get a fucking whistle. Hang on, I'll give him a slightly belated posthumous. Give him a rise from the dead. <laughs> and as for me, I'm picking my old friend from uh, the Die Hard episode, Timmy Mallet, which I've subsequently remembered. I've actually seen him live at university. He came and did the student union wow. and played Mallet's Mallet live. <laughs> Oh, I bet, yeah. I bet he was a big feature on the student culture. It was really good. Did he have, like, colourful plasters or were they just, like, basic ones for budget reasons? Oh, they were just basic ones, yeah. Rob from the NHS. (laughs) He didn't lower himself to, like, swearing and making it edgy for the student crowd. It was just, like, the kids' version. Good for him. So it was was really good. Good. Everybody loved it. Authentic. That's what you were looking for. It was authentic mallet. I did wonder if one of us was going to say Rolf Harris, Oof. but uh, we didn't. That's a down. You used to love Rolf Harris, Gaz. <laughs> yeah, you were in Rolf's cartoon <laughs> you club. You were in the club? Oh, you yeah. were in Rolf's club. You can join today. Yeah. What? I rescinded my membership <laughs> quite recently. <laughs> you tried to tear up your membership card, but it's laminated, so you just threw it in the bin. <laughs> <laughs> Rolf's always one step ahead. I tried to do a social media performative <laughs> post riff you up, but I just looked like a fool. <laughs> <laughs> It, directed by Tommy Lee Wallace of Halloween and Halloween 3 Season of the Witch fame, was screened over two nights on America's ABC channel, garnering 30 million viewers across those two parts and very positive reviews. Adapted from Stephen King's near thousand-page long novel of the same name, the filmmakers managed to capture the essence of the book very faithfully, whilst having to cut swathes of material principally about how the town of Derry has something rotten at the core of its collective soul that helps to enable Pennywise. Telling the tale of a nostalgic childhood summer ruined by an alien life form that takes the form of a clown in order to be a serial killer of children, it is a tale never forgotten if you saw it at the right, i.e. young age. Great location shooting, wonderful performances by both the young cast and their older counterparts, and an excellent score help elevate it above the standard of other TV adaptations of King's work. And of course, Tim Curry's incredible, indelible performance as Pennywise the Dancing Clown places him among the most iconic of American movie monsters, alongside Leatherface, Michael Myers, Freddy Krueger, and Jason Voorhees. So, what did everybody think of the movie? Let's go with Countertacula. You've summed up a lot of my feelings about it there. Not only is it one of the best small screen adaptations we've seen of King's work for me. I think for the time, so 1990, for TV miniseries, it was a cut above. We kind of used to seeing prestige TV these days, but there were a lot of times when this felt like genuinely cinematic, uh, and I was really impressed by the production quality, and as you say, the performances, some of the cast are some favourite TV actors of mine, so always nice to see them. On the whole, as you say, couldn't be 100% faithful to the book, 
because it would have been batshit and it would have had the space pope in it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but more faithful than the recent duology of movies, although mm. I did quite enjoy those too. So yeah, eight thumbs up from me. Not too shabby. Eight thumbs is how many thumbs it has. <laughs> it is, it is like a spider. Of course, I think we all know that. <laughs> and Ben? Yeah, it's just a fantastic story, isn't it? And that's what keeps you engaged. For me, especially the first half with the with the younger cast, it's just brilliant. It's it's like a Stand By Me horror, almost. It's just mm. it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. I did think you mentioned the score. I felt the score was a little bit TV. Uh, and I know it's obviously a made-for-TV movie, but because everything else, as Craig says, was so cinematic, the score for me felt a little bit made-for-TV movie. At times, I would agree with you. Like there were bits of it that were like season one, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, mm. very clearly synthesized sounds. Yeah. But there were other bits of it that I thought were great, especially mm. the opening credits music. I, I thought it was really good. That's obviously where the budget went on the soundtrack. Yeah. There's a load of little piano motifs throughout, though, isn't there? And that's nice. That they doesn't it doesn't need to be much more than that, does it? And I think it's really quite an understated score, really, and I think it's quite thoughtful. Yeah, there's a bit of music, particularly where I think they're walking into the forest. I think maybe it's the first time they kind of get together as a group when the bullies are throwing rocks at them, and it it doesn't suit the scene at all. The music that's played. I think that might that's probably one of the parts that brought me out of it a little bit. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. But yeah, like I say, the story's so good. You know, you're not out of mm. it for long anyway. Yeah. And it was a real treat to see Seth Green, young Seth Green in there. <laughs> yeah, I didn't remember that he was in it. Me neither, I didn't mm. realise I totally forgot, to be honest, as well, yeah. 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 I would have told you the first thing I saw him in was The X-Files, but I would have been wrong, dead wrong. <laughs> what do you think, Adam? Well, you'll be unsurprised to hear that this movie was one of the frequent um, scary movies I used to watch as a kid. It was on the VHS. It was on the old Scotch tape. Um, I think it was on its own because it was three hours. Mm. Maybe maybe it was on Long Play, so it might have been two films on there. But I remember watching it a lot, me and my brother. And I think it's very much... <laughs> Again, it's obvious it's a movie of two halves, but I think the first movie compared to the second movie is entirely different and the feel of the second one it doesn't compare to the first i think the i think yeah, yeah the, there's good performances all around but i think the child actors really run rings around the adults even john ritter yeah yeah but i just think i just think even, fir- even john walton <laughs> yeah even john boy walton yeah good night john he's got a lovely ponytail though hasn't he even a net o'toole <laughs> yeah even a net o'toole i don't know yeah. i i tim reed I think the kids do a fantastic job in that first half. So much, but it, I mean, the second one is well. We'll get into it in a bit, but I think Tim Curry, he's the enduring image of this movie, and that's the first thing you think of. It's him as the monster. Yeah, I guess he's really he's sort of like harks back to the early days of horror, where you think of Boris Karloff and Lon Chaney Jr. You immediately associate him with it. And maybe Robert England as well. But he's in that, I think he's in that bracket of actors where he's not just limited to that role, but he's synonymous with it. And without him there, I it would definitely wouldn't have been as successful. Mm. But it's, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed the rewatch. Haven't seen it for a good few years now. So yeah, it was great. Good stuff. Um, as for myself, 
I would echo the vast majority of what, what everybody said. The first part is the best part. Um, it captures the thing that Stephen King's so good at, which is even though your circumstances are massively different, be it geographically or life experience, he taps into a childhood nostalgia that's quite universal yeah. and relatable. The Barrens in it just reminds me of so many places mm. in North Wales going to his kids and after having seen it I could imagine Pennywise appearing in many of them as a nipper. Tim Curry's just I think he's incredible. He's so yeah. insidious as Pennywise, so unassuming. Um without wanting to slag the new versions off, it's played very much like he's a complete freak mm. instantly. Like there's no mm. way kids would want to be near this thing. Whereas Tim Curry plays yep. him like a reasonable, friendly person before the turn, and I think it's far scarier for that. The direction, just just little things in it, like there never being anybody on the streets in Derry, which is a choice they made. It wasn't a budgetary thing. Mm. I think is brilliant. It just it makes this place feel wrong, which it is. Mm. Yeah, I think for for, a, for an old, what what are we talking now? <laughs> Over thirty year old TV movie on quite a lean budget. Mm-hmm. It's held up so yeah. well. Um, and like Craig said, uh, oh, Count Attacula, you're very beautiful. Like Count Attacula said, <laughs> um, it, these days we're so used to prestige TV, it doesn't look to the standard of present day prestige TV, but it was, it looked amazing for the time. And I think it still holds up. Mm. So, yes, I'm yeah, glad yeah. everybody enjoyed it. Totally agree. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you got to think that stuff that came along hot on its heels, like Twin Peaks and the Next Files, probably saw that and thought, we can create something that looks this good for TV now. A lot of it's to do with lighting and, and the way they use the location shoots, which a lot of TV directors fuck up, don't they? They, they go to a location and you don't see it because they mm. shoot it from all the, the wrong angles and that kind of thing. just wanted to say um, for our international audience that Scotch tape is a brand of cassette in the UK, not oh, a brand yes. of uh, sticky tape. <laughs> That's true. Uh, yeah. Turner wasn't um, drawing out it on a roll of tape. <laughs> yeah, well, across this room. I might do that someday in my life. Probably be very bored, but, you know. So Did you watch it all in it. one sitting? No, I watched the first half, then I watched the second half. The I second did that, half. yeah, just for all uh, time's sake. No, I watched it all in one sitting. Yeah, me too. It was yeah. all together on one one film. It was like three hours, and I was like, well, I'm mm. just going to do it the old school way. Well, I've got it on a, a double-sided DVD, if you can believe such oh, a wow. thing still exists. Wow. <laughs> old wow. school. Should we go to favourite sequences then? Hells yeah. yeah. Mine's easily the restaurant scene, mm. even though it's in the second part, which I think we all agree is the weaker part. <laughs> yeah. That scene is a real standout. Not just the climax of it, but the scene as a whole, where they're kind of... They're back together. They're reminiscing. They don't know yet that their uh, friend has killed himself, do they? Right, Stan. No, I don't think so. I just thought it was really, yeah. really well played scene by everybody. In it. it seems like they're really getting pissed and just making each other laugh, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> From what I've heard, that that might be the case because it seemed yeah. like they were all very pally. Mm. Yeah, there definitely is a camaraderie there, isn't there? So. Yeah. yeah. How could you not be pally with Buddy John Ritter? I know. Yeah, <laughs> bless him. What say you, Ben? My favourite scene, there's so many. One that I loved really early on was the first look at Pennywise among the washing. Yeah. Like they're hanging on, on the uh, Ugh, on the line. Of, it's terrifying. Yeah. It's just 
Such a great introduction to him. It's the thing moving back and forth, isn't it? It's the the, the washing moves back and forth. He's like, yeah. e, like, yeah. Fuck, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it now. It's horrid. Yeah, yeah, but I know, yeah, I know what you're getting at. It's brilliant. I love that. And and, and it's another Pennywise scene. But when he's in the library with a clacker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, look. your washing machine running. And he's doing that better. mad laugh. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Get out! Get out! <laughs> I've got loads more, but yeah, those are the two big ones for me. Adam. Well, I think the scariest bit is um, Richie when he goes into the basement and um, he's faced with the werewolf. Mm. And that's like that's double scare, isn't it? It's like fucking a we- it's a werewolf. Then it turns into him, and he's fucking around with him. So that's yeah. that's horrid as well. But then my next favorite one is um, when he's digging the graves. Mm. Oh yeah, a bird, a bird, <laughs> Billy boy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's not particularly. He doesn't do much scary just in that. But it's just that he's there, isn't he? And then it's after all these years. He's there and he's going, I'm still fucking here and I'm going to get you. Mm. It's just that, oh, brilliant. But it's just Tim Curry, isn't it? Brilliant. Yeah, like like everybody said earlier, if you'd have cast someone else, it may not have been as indelible as uh, mm. as it is. Maybe wouldn't have even got the, the new version without the collective memory of this version. Mm. Uh, but my favourite sequence is Childhood Beverly in her bathroom when she hears the voice in the drain yeah. and then you get the balloon and it bursts with blood everywhere and it's bubbling up and she calls her abusive father because she's afraid and he can't see this blood absolutely everywhere mm. and he puts his hand in it and then he like he rubs her face and rubs blood over her face yeah. that he can't see yeah there's something obviously visceral because it's blood but in terms of the parents not being able to see something that is genuinely there which again is is a, a real childhood thing that I think a lot of us can relate to in terms of being afraid of things that may or may not be there. Yeah, is that how you read it? So that it's there and he can't see it. Not that it's not there and she can. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because they all come around to help cleaning it up, don't they? The losers. Yeah, but I wasn't sure if that was just a collective hallucination that they're all being subjected to by Pennywise. I think they explain it as adults stop being afraid of things that go bump in the night, so they, they simply don't right. see them. I'm pretty sure that's the line of dialogue. Right. Yeah, the the abusive parents are the real monsters in this, right? That's not just true of her, but kind of mm. a lot of them. Her father's sort of stock line of, I worry about you, Beverly. I worry a lot. It's yeah. like, it's, it's um, sort of classic uh, gaslighting abusive person isn't it yeah and the guise of being caring being awful yeah. and then she falls into that and she grows up and she marries that dickhead just uh underworld in coronation street it looks like to me <laughs> for me the real monster was bill's ponytail as an adult <laughs> <laughs> it's bad isn't it oh it's awful <laughs> I think that's because Stephen King had a ponytail at the time. It's obviously the Stephen King character, that, yeah, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Goddamn yeah. hideous. Yeah. I don't think he cameos in this one, does he? Is he in it at any point, Stephen King? I don't think Anybody so. Spot him? I didn't see him. Uh, yeah. He sells Billy's bike back in the new version, doesn't he? He runs the shop. Ah, uh, right. Speaking of uh, Bill's ponytail showing up, I really like the narrative framing of it, that it starts with the present and flashes back to the kids. And I think... That he, the, uh, what's that? I keep forgetting his real name, I'm just going to call him John Boy. 
that he really sells finding out it's back. Yeah, you can see everything in his performance there about how you would feel. Setting the tone. Mm. I think it's quite hard to play a stutter as well without it seeming like just an acting affectation, but I think he plays that quite well too. It's sudden reappearance. Yeah, Jonathan Brandis as well, who I I was a big fan of, tragically uh, committed suicide at a yeah. young age, but uh, he was in mm. Sequest DSV, if you remember that. Oh yeah, of course he was. With Roy Scheider. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a question for you all, and there's, I don't think there's, a, there's no wrong or right answer to it. Where the fuck is Greco from? She has a very strange accent, doesn't she? He's got a fucking really strange accent, Greco. I, I tell you, uh, whatever her name is, uh, Audra, blah, blah, blah. He sounds like he's from South Wales one minute, then he's going into like Italian or Spanish, and I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck is going oh, on? Oh, I was talking about Audra, sorry. I was, uh, I misremembered her name. Oh, the manager. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, what's her name? It's um, Bill's agent or manager and her manager, isn't it? Or something mm. like that. You'd imagine Greece, wouldn't you, with a name like that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but it, it, it just his accent is like all over the shop. <laughs> well, apparently the actor who played him, Russell Roberts, was Welsh. So oh, well, there, there you go. Correct. <laughs> 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 cool. What did you think of Audra, by the way? Because she was bit of a drip. Not not a bad actress, but I don't think her performance in this is the best. Not at the start, anyway. I recently saw her in Black Christmas as well. And I thought she was yeah. awful in that. So, mm. Not to slag her off too much, but that's two things I've seen her in where I've just been certainly nonplussed by yeah. her, her performances. She she answers the first phone call from the baddie in Black Christmas, and she goes, "Hello, hello, hello!" <laughs> like it's it's mad. It's really over the top. <laughs> so she lost me straight away. This is drifting into favourite lines, but this is actually my least favourite. But it was from her, and I'm not so I'm not sure if it's her, her performance. Perhaps it is her performance, but also if she wasn't given great lines because one of her lines was, "I'd like a seat on your next flight to the United States." <laughs> <laughs> Think about that. Think about that. Yeah, and she, yeah, and she's sort of just staring off. <laughs> how you, how can you deliver a line like your, a seat on your next flight to the United States? All right, we've got about twelve of them. Yeah, love, which one? Fucking loads of planes going there, love. Would you want to be a bit more specific? <laughs> I guess nothing dialogue-wise uh, stood out to me. So, uh, really? you're joking? Yeah. Oh my god! My goodness, there's so many. <laughs> so many. I got loads. Uh, my favourite one is uh, when Eddie, as an adult, goes into the old pharmacy, and the guy, the pharmacist, goes, "Nothing like a pull on the old lung sucker, eh?" It's like, yeah. what the fuck? Ridiculous line. I love it when um, is it Ben is kissing. Yeah. Beverly, but then it turns out to be Pennywise. Yes. Kiss me, fat boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's got the white makeup smitten up. Oh, his that's face. brilliant. Yeah, it's, that's one of the highlights of the uh, part two, I think. Yeah. Uh, how shit is Henry Bowers as well as an adult? Yeah. How, why, and why? Why does he look twenty years older than the rest of him? I know he's got white hair, obviously, but he still looks like he's fucking... He looks like Compo from Luster's Summer Wine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think uh, they, they could have done a bit more with Bowers being grown up. Yeah, it's a bit of a bit of a shame. I, 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 I remember him in the first part, he's, he's much more of a presence, isn't he? But then in the second one, he goes like, here you go, get out of here, and then just... That's it. Uh, the kid that the kid yeah. that plays Henry really? Bowers is awesome. It's He's creepy. really good. Yeah. Yeah. 
because he has to be so unlikable and he just nails yeah. it. He's got a good look as well, hasn't he? Yeah. Mm. I think in the novel, if I remember rightly, Bowers is described as smelling of B.O. and juicy fruit chewing gum. And he looks exactly like he would <laughs> smell of B.O. and juicy fruit chewing yeah. gum. <laughs> yeah. There was a, a nice little cameo that I spotted of a, an X-Files actor. Oh, yeah, I got it. Who was that? The smoking guy. Yeah, William B. Davis. Hey, yeah. Hey, I've got yeah. that as well, yeah, yeah. Where is he? Yeah. I didn't see that. He's the school principal. Yeah, yeah. Um, Richie bumps into him and his tray goes over him, yeah. I must mm-hmm. have been uh, making notes. He's fucking really tall, isn't he? <laughs> I was writing a note about the worst thing Bowers does is smearing mashed potato on, on uh, Richie's glasses. <laughs> I was like, you don't fuck <laughs> My favourite line, I think it's more down to Tim Curry's delivery than anything, is it's in the, uh, the sewers when they first take Pennywise out at the end of part one. And he says... I am the eater of worlds and of children, and you are next. So, uh, yeah, very forceful and uh, intimidating. It could be quite a quite a stock baddie line, that couldn't it? That the delivery makes it. Yes, I, yeah, I agree. It's like one of those. It could easily be a throwaway line for sure, but it, yeah, it's it's the the malice that is delivered with this. Um, it's something else, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we haven't touched on it yet, but the iconic line is, when you're down here with me, you'll float too. It's that it's that whole performance in that sequence when he's explaining to him, and then when Georgie says, do they float? And then his demeanour changes like that, doesn't he? And you can see he's like, I'm, I'm going to get him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, like somebody, you can see the dinner coming from miles away, and he's like, oh, it's coming! And he's like that, isn't it? And it's like, oh! <laughs> Yeah, I think that's kind of so iconic, and obviously they use it, you know, not verbatim, but similar lines in in the film version. That's probably why I wasn't really absorbing a lot of the dialogue because it's just, you know, I was it's all stuff I was expecting to hear because I'm kind of so familiar with the subject matter. Right. Yeah. It's. I mean, it's even gone on to become common parlance. You know, people use right. it in conversation a lot. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing that I do like in the the new version is that they literalize that, don't they? When Pennywise traps yeah. them in the deadlights, they are oh yeah in midair, mm. and their face right. like distorts and their eyes right. go white. That's that's very cool. Yeah, they mm. did that. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, just kind of on the production value. One of the things that impressed me was the very Stephen King esque font that they used in the opening credits. I like a good font, especially in. A, Stephen King related thing. As I'm sure I told you before, up until season four, my two favourite things about Stranger Things were the music and the font. I really like Stranger Things now, but up until then I was on the fence about everything apart from the music and the font. <laughs> but uh, I kept tuning in just to watch the opening credits for those first three seasons. There. You know, you could just watch the first <laughs> the first episode again and again. It's got the same credits. Oh uh, yeah, but something special about watching watching it in a different episode, isn't there? Fair enough. <laughs> And see when they add more uh, actors, how they change the speed that the letters come in and stuff. Right. <laughs> I found that opening credits a little very obviously TV movie, and so yeah. yeah I know what you mean. Like that, that, that bit cheese for it, me. That it could have easily been like a, a trashy melodrama slash erotic thriller. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. Red yeah. Shoe Diaries. Um. What about the? Uh, <laughs> The effects, I was wondering what people thought of the effects. Obviously, 
it's of its day, but there were a few standouts for me. Uh, not all for great reasons, but um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think I know what you're going to say. The clown body with the tiny Rottweiler head, I thought, was very funny. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's all right. Yeah, it's good. I like that. <laughs> I think the the lights in the tunnel look amazing. Yeah, the dead lights when you see them in the tunnel right. look really good. The, like the POV shot. Like mm. just from outside as well, mm, where they yeah. spiral around. Oh, go through the piping. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It just looks really uh, yeah. organic. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Just seem otherworldly, doesn't it? Yeah. The photo I thought was done really well. The photo coming to life. Yeah. Georgie, uh, yeah. yeah. Or, or the, the bit with Pennywise. Uh, the, the bit with, with Pennywise, Pennywise dancing down the street. Yeah. yeah. I thought it just yeah. looked great. There's, um, I assume this is what Turner thought I was going to say. The visual effects shot of Pennywise uh, jumping down the hole in the sewer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a bit ropey. Oh, but yeah. it works because it's so freaky, I think. He's like, yeah. Jesus. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's one of those, I, you notice it, but I like it. <laughs> I wouldn't change yeah. it. Yeah, I wouldn't change it. I think my favourite special effect is the hand reaching out of the book. I think that's really well done. Yeah. yeah, mm. yeah. Well, Simple, but very effective. Simple. Yeah. Uh, I thought you were going to say as well, the bit right at the end where... Bev shoots the earring into the thing's... Oh, the thing's... It's <laughs> stomach. And there's like a tiny yeah. little explosion. Then it just trots off. It's <laughs> like, what the fuck's going on there? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense, right? And then it's just standing there and it gets kicked to shit. In the book, it's sensitive to silver when specifically when it's a werewolf. It doesn't doesn't really have any impact on it, does it? I don't think. Just no. the, well, it, just... she kind of chips away at its uh, chitin, uh, chitinous armor there. Chitinous, yeah, yeah. I think that in the book, the the space pope, like you say, does play a part. He depowers Pennywise mm. uh, by mm. suddenly appearing, and they also have a childhood orgy where they all shag. Beverly, for some reason, because they've got <gasps> they've got to lose their innocence. Oh God! Is the thing to debower him Ugh. slightly? Yeah, it's yeah. weird. <laughs> it's... Yeah, I don't know why they didn't do that in, in <laughs> a very sensible cut. Yeah, I I, <laughs> I I was thinking after I watched this, I thought I'll, I'll have to download the audiobook and give it a listen, but I'm not going to bother now. No, no, it's it's brilliant. It is brilliant. That's obviously dodgy. That's but... fucking really strange. How inappropriate is um, Bill kissing Bev when she arrives at the restaurant as well? Yeah. She she turns up and she's like, hey, look at the three most handsome fellows I've ever seen. Struts in and then Bill just goes, like that. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? That, that was their orgy <laughs> compromise. <laughs> <laughs> you can neck on with her, but only once. <laughs> Bill and Ben double team her. <laughs> you know, he's, got, he's got the little house of the prey fame. He can do what he wants, can he, on set? Do you mean the Waltons? Yeah, the well, house of the prairie. wherever he was in. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't they the same show? I thought one was a prequel to the other. Hell no. Not even set in the same time period. Yeah. Oh, right. Very very different shows. Not even, not even set on the same prairie. <laughs> or in the same uh, size of house. <laughs> In Stephen King's It, the ancient intergalactic alien Pennywise terrorises the small town of Derry, Maine, preying on the fears of young children before consuming them or trapping them in the liminal space of his deadlights. In 1960, however, he meets his match in the Loser Club, a group of seven friends who take it upon themselves to bring the fight to the evil clown following the opening events of the film. Downing the clown before his traditional 30-odd-year hibernation cycle, 
They fall back into the old gang and town as Pennywise returns to Maine in 1990 to consume more children and get revenge against the losers who defeated him nearly three decades prior. So, what did we all think of Pennywise's scheme? It's a scheme of two halves. And in the first half, he kind of goads them into remembering him and returning to Derry. And he's pretty successful at that. Gets one of them out of the way before they even get there, which is is also a pretty good outcome. But after that, he's not really prepared for them, is he? You know, they beat him when they were little and now they're big. So I think maybe he should have thought twice about, you know, (laughs) rallying them up and shining them on. I think he's banking too heavily on Bowers, isn't he? Possibly. Yeah. His his Renfield to help him. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's uh, an evolving part of his plot, isn't it? Because when they're first arriving back and then he's scaring them, isn't he, to begin with, but then they they get together and then they're humming and ahhing and some of them want to stay, others want to go, and then they decide they're going to have a go at it. And he ropes them in and obviously it doesn't work out particularly well Mm. for him. And there's a a few few, uh, things that he probably... Could have been a bit more proactive, but I guess he's been very successful for hundreds of years, hasn't he, up until that point? Picking off one kid at a time, yeah, but this time yeah. he's just he's outnumbered, yeah. he's outmatched, he's outgunned. Yeah. Yeah. If Bowers had had his two mates with him still, and mm. they'd had a bath that they could ride down a hill, <laughs> then maybe they would have been in with a chance. Yeah, <laughs> I thought it was quite dastardly, though, isn't it? Using the kids' yeah. greatest fears against them. To freak them the fuck out and then empower yourself, eat them because their fear is tasty. You know, the best mm. one for me was uh, going to poor uh, hypochondriac Eddie as a leper. That was just cruel. <laughs> so I'm giving him 10 florets of broccoli. Ooh, too shabby. Nice. That's quite high on the broccoli scale. He's going to eat them up and he's going to go, Ugh. He's not. I don't even, like broccoli. He's going to use them to scare kids. <laughs> Everyone knows kids hate broccoli. Yeah, they do. Silly kids. <laughs> okay, I've changed the order a bit, so I'm going to, before we do our plans... We're going to vote. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Asking for likes and subscribes before we do our plans in case people just fucking turn it off before we get to that bit oh yeah that's a that's a very good shot actually yeah what's this extra bit at the end did you just forget to stop recording there are outtakes they're on every week <laughs> before i go any further just telling you now if you don't like and subscribe and give us a review we're not giving you our plans okay you're wasting your own time Right now, just gonna sit here. What if they're already subscribed? They're just sitting here getting angry. They're the good ones, they'll be happy to wait. Yeah, if they're already subscribed, they'll be expecting nonsense like this, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you like what you hear each week, please subscribe, leave us a five star review, and follow us on our Apple Podcasts if you're on there. It's the best platform to help us grow the podcast, and you, Peril Pals, play an important part in that process. We haven't had any reviews in a hot minute, so please do throw us a freaking bone here. If you aren't on Apple, rate us on your provider of choice. It will make a difference, I promise you.
This is the part of the show where the Panel of Peril compete for precious peril points on the Perilous Leaderboard. Each member gets one vote, which will equal one point on the board. But you cannot vote for yourself, you little tykes! How can we possibly improve upon Pennywise the Dancing Clown's evil scheme is my question. Now, let's do this! First plan, can we have Count Attacula, please? Certainly. Pennywise! Pennywise. Pennywise, Pennywise. Pennywise is its name. Penny, Penny, Pen, Pen. Seriously, though, what a fucking misnomer. It should be called Hapenny Unwise, because for a creature of its age, it's sorely lacking in wisdom. If it wants to win, it needs to do some maturing, which is a little joke for readers of the book there. That's the name of the space poke, you see. <laughs> when there's a chance you might be killed by a fucking catapult, you're begging for trouble by announcing your return to a disparate group of soft around the middle 40-somethings who had otherwise more or less forgotten you even exist and goading them into a showdown. Instead of his in-your-face, bursting a balloon full of blood-in-your-face approach, I would take a more subtle approach to revenge. Stan is now a successful accountant, so let's hit him where it hurts, in the wallet. I show him an image of all his stocks tanking, and things end for him the way they always did. (laughs) Acting as his bank, I first repossess, then later possess his pride and joy, a 1958 Plymouth Fury. Eddie is the lowest hanging fruit, so now I'm warmed up, I get started in earnest by convincing Eddie that he has developed electromagnetic hypersensitivity and zero derma pigmentosum photosensitivity. That's easy for you to say. (laughs) Ensuring the little hypochondriac will never leave the house. To further torture him, a 1958 Plymouth Fury drives past his house every night between 1 and 4am honking. Next up is former fat boy Ben, now a lean and successful adult. Let's try for a twofer and let him hook up with Beverly. As they drive off into the sunset together in a recently acquired 1958 Plymouth <laughs> Fury, she gives him a handy and, distracted, he crashes into a Romani woman, killing her on impact. Her father curses him to lose weight uncontrollably, his only way out to trick someone else into consuming his blood baked into a pie. Blaming Beverly for her reckless wrist action, and for not even finishing him off, thank you very much, (laughs) she becomes the recipient of said pie. But when I reveal it was not she that did the shandy, but me, he eats his own pie and joins her in death. (laughs) And what to do about old Bill? Simple. Convince him to release lesser works under a pen name, then later to reveal the deception and see the increase in sales. He'll still be successful, but the doubt that he is living off his own name will nag at him forever. Storming out of a book signing where a fan reminded him of this, he gets into an RTA with a 1958 Plymouth Fury, but is rescued by Annie Wilkes, who cuts off his feet. Then, to aid his recovery, I invite him to take care of the Overlook Hotel for the winter, where he can put up his ankles and knuckle down on his next book. Put up his ankles. Jokester Richie is an easy mark too. Buying up all the tickets for his gigs, I take the form of the whole audience and make sure that he dies every single night. <laughs> and always seated near the bar, you guessed it, 
1958 Plymouth Fury. (laughs) That just leaves Mike, now a friendless librarian, somewhat aware that I'm back making a buffet of Maine's children, but friendless and unable to act. But just in case, I will also possess a 1958 Plymouth Fury to run him over. (laughs) Whose pie is it? Pie? uh, Pie. uh, Have you ever seen Thinner with Charles Grodin? No. Uh, he runs over a Romani woman and her father curses him and he just keeps getting thinner and thinner uh, no matter what he eats. And to remove the curse, he has to put his blood in a pie yes. and get someone else to eat it. He doesn't have to decide whether his best friend lives or dies and his best friend is a pie. No, he <laughs> gives the pie to his wife because she was the one who jerked him off in the car and made him crash. <laughs> We've all been there. His child also eats the pie and he's so overcome with remorse that he eats the pie as well and they just both love to death together. I find it very amusing, but I'm also lost. There's a lot of detail to take in. A lot of circumstantial goings on, I'd say. Very circumstantial. I think I've earned some circumstantial goings on after all the various times I've had to quiz you guys on, oh, this just happened, did it? (laughs) So you just boiled it into one plan? Pretty much, yeah. The point is, be subtle. Don't be in the face. Still prey on the weaknesses, but in a in a more subtle way. Yeah. Well, that's how I've been judging these plans. I've got to say, is boiling them down to the to the essence is the only way you can distinguish whether it would be a, a good plan. Essence, essence. Exactly. So the car was Christine. The car was Christine. Yeah. A 1958 <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. A few Stephen King nods in there. Christine is really good. The film. I've watched it three times in about mm. the last two months. Well worth a watch. Mm. John Carpenter, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. Any further I questions? It was Stephen King. Whack, whack. Give me a whistle. There we go. Uh, you, what you'll be doing there, Craig, is editing out me asking for the whistle, so it's not so it's sound desperate. Yeah. What I'll be doing is keeping in you asking for a whistle, and I'll be changing the up whistle to a down whistle. <laughs> Hang on, I'll give you the down. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, next, could we hear Ben's plan, please? Beep, beep, panel of peril. You want to know how I'll get revenge on the little losers club now they're all grown up? Well, listen good. We know they ain't as scared of me as they used to be. Not as much as the other boys and girls. But revenge doesn't need to be scary. It could simply be annoying, too. So the next time Bill and his bestest gal are getting intimate, who should appear but their old pal Pennywise? With his own plate and cutlery. Ever tried making love to the discordant screech of steel on porcelain? Impossible. (laughs) Hey, fat boy, got an important meeting? Try explaining the merits of pile-assisted raft foundations while someone's squeaking their fingers down the side of a balloon held only inches from your face. (laughs) Ooh, Richie, looks like you're having a schmancy-pancy dinner with some of your Hollywood bigwigs. They asked you to pitch a sitcom, but wait. You can't focus because some schlub in white makeup on the next table is eating too loudly. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> too bad, funny man. <laughs> I do this for the next 30 years or so, just until the losers are old. Then I stop the clown nonsense and present myself as a gang of rowdy youths that loiter in their neighborhoods. Because as we all know, age dramatically increases our fear of everything as we lose plasticity, 
of the prefrontal cortex of the brain. In a final act of revenge, I flash them my deadlights and gorge myself on their fear-addled geriatric bodies. Ah, it's good. Beep, beep, dead fogey losers. <laughs> Particularly when you were doing the, the eating, it, you sounded very much like uh, Krusty. <laughs> I was going for some kind of clown. Yeah, somewhere somewhere between Pennywise and Krusty, yeah. Do you think maybe if they were that annoyed by his behaviour, maybe they would just try and just be like, I'm fucking sick of this guy. Let's go and kill him now. But he's doing it borderline. He's just he's just riding that sweet line. You know, sweet line not... between annoyance and being fine. Yeah. <laughs> I think along similar lines to what I was. Yeah. Except that I I thought he really needs to hide that it's him. But in yours, you said that there would be a guy in white makeup there. Oh so no, he, he's Pennywise. He's there. He's he's yeah. in the room. Like he's he's just so like, I, I, squeaking a plate yeah. and fork. For that reason, I think I'm. With, yeah, and with Turner because I I already killed a guy for doing that in a normal restaurant. I'm presuming that the losers are all thinking, well, I can forgive him for killing all those kids when we were little, but he's properly doing my head in with these annoying noises now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I'm not bothered about, yeah, I'm not bothered about my little brother anymore, but <laughs> now... Bill's just thinking, this is really reminding me how fucking irritating Georgie used to be. You know, he used to come in my bedroom and piss me off. <laughs> <laughs> you, should have, you should have used him playing the bagpipes in there as well. That would have been like... Ooh, that oh, would have yeah. been a good one. I also, I also had him in my first draft about him just going up to people and getting velvet but rubbing it against the grain but I think oh. that might be just something unique to me because I hate velvet or <laughs> clicking a pen oh that's a good one what about biting velvet so oh god it. oh, oh. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> I hate velvet. I hate oh, it. What else could he do? Yeah. Humming a song or whistling a song, just sort of like. I hate tuneless whistling. I do hate that. What about when you <laughs> try and take a piss at a urinal? He comes and stands next to you. Yeah, he's not going. <laughs> there. <laughs> There's loads of space that he can be at. <laughs> yeah. Or you're in you're in the cinema alone. And then he sits right next to you, just not doing anything else, just eating his popcorn, being normal. <laughs> and every time you move, he just moves back next to you. <laughs> and he puts his drink in your... <laughs> in your cup all day. <laughs> and like in bits of the film that he enjoys, he just like, he whispers loud enough for you to hear. That's really good. <laughs> so before we move on i just got one request to you all forget the holes in yep. the plan and remember the funny bits we just talked about there <laughs> the <bits> we did. <laughs> <laughs> that made it better yeah. <laughs> i've written written that down <laughs> did you yeah. deal with mike and Beverly. I didn't do them all separately, but he does go uh, off and do separate things. Uh, I just gave some examples of what he yeah. might do. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I went to the trouble of dealing with everybody. Else. Yeah, I thought <laughs> I was a bit long-winded, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> I, I minus points for how yeah. long-winded yours was, you see. Yeah. Yeah. Thorough is what I, I, I thought. <laughs> right, I'll add half a point for thoroughness. <laughs> okay, Adam, are you ready? I am. Superb. 
He's nice, still bloody drinking. Just a wetting the whistle. Wetting the what? <laughs> yep. Well, that's how you wet a whistle. Lovely. That's my whistle well wetted. Yes. <laughs> After defeating Pennywise as children, the group of friends went their separate ways and moved on with their lives. But as they entered their 40s, cheery old Mike Hanlon reveals that Pennywise has returned. Holding true to their promise, they return to Derry. Pennywise, aware of their plan, remembers when he was beaten by the losers all those years ago and has come to realise their strength comes from their unity. As a team, together, they are impossible to beat. He decides to set a trap for them. He creates a fair on the edge of town, near the relatively new sewer treatment works, one that has some very special attractions. The friends are initially suspicious of the fair, but they're also drawn to it, just like they were drawn to the sewers as kids. And they realise that to defeat Pennywise, they will have to enter the fair. As they begin to explore the fair, Pennywise lurks in the shadows, watching and waiting for the right moment to strike. He begins to pick them off, one by one, each getting more and more lost in their own personal nightmares. Pennywise lures Bill away from a, uh, into a fortune teller's tent. The fortune teller reveals secrets from Bill's past, including his guilt over his brother George's death. Most importantly, she, Pennywise, tells him his books are crap and have shit titles. They're glowing? What the <laughs> hell is that? Why not call your next book The Sparkling, you gimp, and your ponytail is shit? Endlessly mocking him until he's curled up in fetus position in the corner. <laughs> Pennywise entices Beverly with a hall of mirrors that reflects her worst self. She sees herself as a lonely and unloved woman who can't form fulfilling relationships. Pennywise appears in the mirrors as a grotesque version of herself, mocking her horrid sense of fashion that will quickly become dated and that makes her look like a frumpy old woman. You look like Martha Stewart on acid. No wonder blokes want to smack you about. She shrieks. Beverly tries to run, tears streaming down her face, but is faced at every turn by the horrific vision of a future self and can't escape. Pennywise targets Richie by luring him into a funhouse. The funhouse is filled with doppelgangers of his childhood friends, all of whom have turned against him. Pennywise appears as a clown version of Richie, taunting him with the deepest fears of appearing in terrible films that make absolutely no sense. <laughs> Richie, you'll make a film where you're short fighting with a fucking tennis racket. And you think <laughs> people might find that funny? <laughs> Have you heard of Eddie Murphy? John Candy? You're a fossil, Richie. And when I crap out your bones, you'll be an actual fossil, cackles Pennywise. <laughs> Pennywise continues to pick off the other friends in fashion similar to that until they have all succumbed to his visions and taunting. Nothing more than quivering wrecks. Separated, alone, and with nobody to give them some encouragement or to tell them not to believe the visions, the losers are doomed. With his fear tank brimmed to the max, Pennywise is at the height of his power 
and with his victims in a state of paralysis, it allows the carnivore to eat at its own leisure, making him a beautiful but deadly addition to Jurassic Park. <laughs> I've done the other ones, like you say, I've, but I thought I wasn't going to go into every single one because, but I have got them here if you care to read them afterwards. So Could you bullet point them? But before you do, I've got one question and it's not really about your plan. Yeah. I just want to know, what is a fortune teller? Fortune teller? It's like that old gypsy woman that sits in a like a tent with a Can't say gypsy. crystal ball and do all that. <laughs> what, what do they do? Uh, with the crystal ball? To tell you about their past? <laughs> is that what they do? Yeah, and his future and stuff. <laughs> oh, it's just because you said that he went to see a fortune yeah. teller who told him all about his past. That's yeah. what I, I was. Mo- yeah, I got, I got Columbo. Yeah, I got Columbo mind. Pastune teller. Yeah, but it just goes off into you know it's it was just basically to lure him in and then basically to degrade him and and just run him down essentially. So like they they know I think don't they that mm. their power comes from them being together. Yeah. So they go to this fun fair together. Yeah. But then Bill just goes, oh, I'll just go. I'll I'll, just, I'll be back in a minute. I've just seen a fortune no, teller. But it's like in the film, they, they all get separate. They get separated like off at different points. Then like, Bill runs after order and stuff like that. So they will. They, they mm. tend to go off and stuff on their own anyway, don't okay. they? They sort of like okay. And because it's it because it's his place he's made, he can just do what he wants and just filter them off right. gradually. And that's why he's built the place. He wants to get them where his power is, and then he yeah. can do what he wants with them from there. Separate them off or whatever and. and and trick them and things like that because they 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 know they have to face him for it to end and they know that this is where they're being pulled to and although they know it's like going to be a trap like the sewers is a terrible idea but they still do it anyway so they yeah. go to this place as well all right bullet point the others how did you get uh them? okay so eddie kasprak basically he goes into like a, a room some somewhere in the in the Funfair. There's a sexy woman in in lingerie facing away from him. As he turns around, it's his mum, and she starts try humping him. Uh, <laughs> how sexy! How sexy! Turn it. Yeah, just uh, say how sexy. Very sexy. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. That's paid for itself. That's it? Babs Windsor sexy. <laughs> yeah, that, that is. Yeah. Um, Mike, he basically, because uh, of his history, he, he's into history and stuff, that he goes into like a, a exhibit of dolls and stuff like that and Pennywise is like George Washington and Davy Crockett and, and just running him down saying he's shit at history and stuff like that and att- attacking him with like... <laughs> Your shit whatever. at history. <laughs> Your shit at history. I, I don't know. I didn't write anything for that. I've just written a brief synopsis for each one. Um, no, that's, that's perfect. Ben, that's perfect. That's enough to break a man. Uh, Ben is he he goes on a he's go on a ghost train where he goes through traumatic memories and all the ghosts in the ghost train uh, are food like Twinkies, hot dogs, and pizza that start flying into his mouth and su- and try and suffocate him. Uh, and then Stan is um, is because he's like a, a, like a collector of birds and stuff like that. There's loads of um, birds in in a room and they're just like shitting all over him and stuff like that, basically. Telling these rubbish at birds. No, it's just like bird, <laughs> birds. Just based on this week and last week, I'm just going to give you a little bit of friendly advice, and that's if you're thinking of cutting something from your plan, don't just keep it in. That was amazing. <laughs> I have a quick question for you, Turner. How are fossils made again? 
Are they bones that can <laughs> shut out? I did think bones. about asking about that one. Yeah, well, because well, they're bones in the ground, aren't they? And then when Pennywise shits it out, and then all the earth piles on top of it for years and years and years, and eventually they'll come up to him and go, oh, look, there's bones there, and it's a fossil of the bloke who's been shit out by a clown. Maybe Pennywise has got very <laughs> narrow intestines, and it takes him a long time to do his shit. Could be. Could be. Pressure plus time. He could poop out an actual fossil. Yeah. 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 <laughs> He could if, if it's his, if if he's like his last meal before he goes to sleep, he, you know, and he and he beds down and he's and he's lying on his tummy. Years. It's brewing. Yeah, he could, and then oh, when he gets up and just oh god, oh god, I got a turtle head poking out. <laughs> Is that you, Maturian? <laughs> and we shall finish. With my plan, as is tradition, he's been laying in wait for twenty-seven years. Twenty-seven years of hatred. Twenty-seven years filled with malice. Twenty-seven years to conjure the perfect revenge. What made this group, these losers, different from all the rest that Pennywise has devoured over the last century? What made them so special? What makes them think they can win? The righteous indignation that there is something wrong in Derry, but none of the adults care enough to do anything about it. Georgie, the sorrow felt deep in Bill's delicious marrow, transferred to the rest of his gang. They want the same thing that Pennywise does. Revenge. Drawing the old gang back to town as adults in the same fashion as in the film, Pennywise makes his first new move following his fortune cookie escapade at the Chinese restaurant. The losers are caught in a downpour upon leaving the establishment, and Pennywise takes this as his opportunity to rub some salt in their collective wounds. The storm drains are rapidly filling to the point of overflowing as the evil jester comes sailing down the street in a giant paper boat wearing a pirate's hat, laughing maniacally as he comes. Hey there, Billy boy! Do you miss me? My, my, my! Look how you've all grown! Just like this here paper boat! You remember this boat, don't you? Oh, grown up it is! Unlike your brother what gave it to me. Georgie's still with me, Bill. Still a little boy. Still floating down there with me and the rest of the boys and girls. And you will too. You'll have to get me before I get you. And I will get you. Ta-ta for now! <laughs> Can you say TTFN instead? <laughs> no, no, that's uh, far too modern. Oh, that's it. You're not win- You're not getting my point. TTFN wasn't invented till 1994. This was 1990, so. <laughs> uh, okay, fair enough. Then. Are you sure? Isn't it from Winnie the Pooh? No, you're thinking of. Uh, oh, could I have a smackle of crackery? <laughs> <laughs> and with that, he sails off down the street before, somewhat improbably disappearing down the farthest storm drain. He doesn't need to wait to see the reaction of the losers. Then he does much the same stuff as in the film. Mrs. Kirsch at Beverly's childhood home, the balloons at the library for Richie, and so on and so on and so on and so on and so on. But here's the real kicker. Once the boys and girls <laughs> kill a climb from outer space to his sewer lair, Pennywise does not revert to his true arachnid form. Instead, he backs himself into a corner, calmly chuckling away to himself. You've been waiting for this moment, haven't you, Bill? You and Eddie 
and Richie and Beverly. All of you pukes. He produces a large knife, more a machete than anything really, from behind some piping and points it towards each of his opponents in turn, silently staring a hole through them as he does so. Then the clown takes the knife and plunges it into his own heart, his mouth curling into a half-smile, half-sneer as he does so. Blinding light begins to pour from his wound as he grimly intones, For some reason, this is how I activate my spaceship. No revenge for these this time, boys and girls. Time for Pennywise to go bye-bye. You just remember Georgie. Remember him floating with me on the other side for all eternity and how you failed him. And with that, he's gone blasting off into the cosmos to a new planet to continue his murderous ways as the losers look on aghast that they were unable to be the adult hands that tucked away their childhood nightmares for their big sleep. Oh, that's, uh, oh, that's my plan. <laughs> <laughs> so they don't get revenge. He doesn't, get reve- he doesn't really get revenge on them, does he? His revenge on them is robbing them of their revenge. Yes that they have to live with the fact that they were never able to avenge Georgie's death. Okay. But won't they forget about that shortly after? No, because... Once his he... influence goes away, they, they forget, right? No, he's... Uh, I forgot to mention um, the the light that comes out of him when he stabs himself in the heart blasts them with remember dust so that they'll always remember. <laughs> <laughs> I see. <laughs> Is that machete thing from the book, or have you just made that up? Uh, I made it up. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so there's no evidence that he has a spaceship or, or not. We know he's from outer space, but... I think he does have some sort of uh, means of transport in between planets. It's the macroverse, so. isn't it? He's not from literal outer space. He's from the macroverse. I don't know. It says he's been to many worlds doesn't it? Yeah, I think they're like mm. they exist within the same space, mm. in a different dimension. It's a, I don't know, it's a all bit a bit like the mist. Confusing. I think Stephen King may have been on something when he wrote it. Mm. There's no way to be sure. <laughs> but, mm. uh, he was high on grease paint by the sounds of it. Strong chance. <laughs> Just say that the the universe was vomited up by a space turtle that had a stomachache. That is in the book. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. The dialogue was very good, guys. <laughs> I was impressed. Thank you. And a good impression. <laughs> well done. I try. Every now and then I try with the impressions. <laughs> it's no Seth Green. Now, yeah. I don't know about these sensitive fellows, but I reckon if someone disappeared after stabbing themselves with a machete to go to another planet and rob me of my revenge, I reckon I'd be all right with it. I think I'd just get on with my life. It might be annoying for like a day or two, then I'll just like have a poo and read the paper. Get it, get, I'll be all right. get it off your chest. Every time you saw a paper boat, which I imagine in your life is pretty frequent, you'd daily. be reminded. Yeah. Daily. Yeah. yeah. Daily. Yeah. It's different horses for different courses, isn't it? Yeah. I suppose the point isn't whether you would get over it, it's whether Bill and those guys would. Yeah, I wonder whether they would. I don't think Bill would. Yeah. I think Bill would wither. Because it's, it's stutter instantly comes back when he's reminded the the trauma. Right. And he's been blasted with that remember dust. Remember. So. Oh. Right, the remember dust, which you mentioned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which you, you were careful to mention. 
But if there's no more questions. <laughs> Uh, do you know what? Some friggin' diabolical plans there. We had Count Attacula's <laughs> plan to uh, sort of use other Stephen King novels and be subtle in taking everybody out in turn. Then we had Ben's plan, which was to annoy everybody until they got to old age and then trap them in the deadlights. Then we had Adam's plan, who lured them to a funfair by the sewage plant and destroy everybody's confidence, basically, with things from their personal life. And then my plan, which was for Pennywise to deny the losers their own revenge. So, if everybody would cast their votes, that would be lovely. (laughs) Shall we have Ben first? I voted for the subtle approach of Count Attacula. That's what I'm known for. (laughs) Then let's have Count Attacula. I voted for Ghost Twinkies. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) And Adam? I have gone for the least confusing plan, uh, which is Count Attacula. Count Attacula. Oh, you do surprise me because I thought you said it was quite confusing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I went for Adam. Split honours! So that's two points apiece for Adam and Countertacula. Beautiful. And let's hand over to me for the scores. (laughs) Joint first place. uh, Adam and Countertacula with six points apiece. Jeez. And... We're not saying last place, we're saying second place. Joint second place Mm. is myself and Ben with two points apiece. But also last. Wow. The gap is widening. Good hustle, guys. Good hustle. There's plenty of points left to to get there. We're only four episodes in. 16 to go. Yeah. Yeah. Turner, last season's wooden spoon winner, is rocketing ahead. He's really upped Mm. his game. I'm not rocketing Mm. ahead. I'm level pegging with last season's winner. Rocketing joint ahead. Have you been juicing? <laughs> I'm, I'm rocketing ahead. <laughs> Are you taking some kind of supplements, brain supplements? Yeah, I actually, I actually am. I'm actually taking um, these little uh, things. It's um, lion's mane mushroom um, supplements, and they're supposed oh. to boost brain activity. And I'm not well, drinking. It's bloody yeah. working. It's bloody working. Yeah. <laughs> you want to get me back on the bottle? Yeah. And that about does it for this week. But we shall return for another set of scintillating schemes next week. Adam will have the gift slash curse of hosting next week's podcast with his choice of film. So, what we gonna do, brother? Well, next week, we'll be going to sci-fi. We'll be going to Stanley Kubrick. We're going to be watching 2001 A Space Odyssey. Oh, my a film. (laughs) (laughs) I know anything. It's that it's a film. (laughs) Seconded. And remember to tell your friends in person and social media about Diabolical. Word of mouth is the best tool that we have, so please do pass us along. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at DiabolicalPod and we're also on Facebook. 
Next week, we'll be back to discuss Stanley Kubrick's 2001 Space Odyssey, and we hope that you will join us. Until then, remember, everything will be alright in the end, and if it isn't alright, then it isn't the end. <laughs> to get one last whistling. <laughs> did you go to a music shop to get that, or did you just like dig it out? <laughs> I bought it off eBay, and it took about two months to arrive. Yeah. It's crazy. Is it used? Is it used oh, off eBay? It's, it's Shanghai special, is it? No, nah, it's from China. <laughs> Did you have to go to post office to pay like the VAT or something as well? No, no, it's like two quid. <gasps> You're telling me they've scrapped the penny whistle import duty? <laughs> they have finally Brexit benefit. <laughs> Bre- well, there you go. That's it for me. I regret ever voting uh, Remain now. They've signed a big uh, trade deal for slide whistles from China. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth uh, about ten pounds to the British economy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's a bit of a shortfall, but you just got to buy loads of slide whistles, haven't you? <laughs> Be patriotic, <laughs> buy a slide whistle. Yeah, <laughs> just like play uh, God Save the King on the slide whistle, loads. <laughs> Craig's on his phone ordering one now, look at him. <laughs> ordering 50. Because <laughs> he's a patriot. Yeah, well, they're hot. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we all kind of have to get, like, uh, sound props now, really. Some kind of sound prop for each week. We each, each get a different sound prop. Somebody get a rat, one of the rattles. Somebody else get, like, a mini trumpet that just makes one tone. Do they exist? Have you just imagined that? Huh? <laughs> no, like a little plastic trumpet. Just goes... Just ask Jonesy if from Police Academy if he's busy. Oh, and yeah. he'll say, no, I'm not. He'll do them all. <laughs> he's still waiting for the phones to ring for Police Academy 8 or 9. Michael Winslow, his name is, isn't it? Yes, that's right, yeah. I saw him. He went on America's Got Talent a few years ago, and he was so good. Oh, really? He's still so great. He yeah. can do, like, uh, he maybe he does smoke on the water, just like just by himself. So oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got the beeps, the creeps, and the sweeps. <laughs> that's not all he's lost. <laughs>